It's all about your health, your wellness. Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Get healthier, get fit, eat better, have a richer quality of life. Health on the go. Staying well with Melanie Cole, MS. Joan Rivers lost consciousness at an outpatient surgery clinic in Manhattan during an elective vocal cord procedure and then was rushed to the Mount Sinai Hospital for emergency care where she passed away. What might have gone wrong and does it make you think as as a patient, should I go in for elective surgery or really any surgery, minor or major surgery, and what can go wrong? Are there things you can do to kind of help avoid medical malpractice? My guest is Armand Leon. He's a physician attorney who manages the medical malpractice and pharmaceutical medical device. Product liability matters at Britcher, Leon, and Roth. Welcome to the show, Armand. So, you know, when we go in for even the smallest procedure... You worry. I had a colonoscopy recently. You worry about things. Just the littlest things can go wrong. So tell us what do you think in theory went wrong with Joan Rivers or what what are investigators going to be looking at in this particular instance? Well, well, thank you, Melanie, for having me on. And, of course, the Joan Rivers tragedy does raise this question. Uh, a simple outpatient procedure can still have disastrous consequences. Uh, there was an endoscopy for uh, Ms. Rivers. And apparently she suffered a cardiac arrest, but equally important, a respiratory arrest. And clearly there appears to have been a delay in reoxygenating her brain, getting the circulation back and oxygen back, which caused neurological injury. At least it would appear that because she was in a medically induced coma for a while afterwards. So, you know, my issue here is code preparedness. A cardiac arrest can occur in the street, in the hospital, in the doctor's office, and how prepared is the office to deal with it? Uh, so I think that is really the first issue that comes up with Joan Rivers' uh, matter. Whether it's a case of malpractice or not depends on the specifics as to whether there was error in the resuscitation process, whether the necessary equipment was available, and whether the people were properly trained. Those would be specific things that will be looked at both from the New York State Department of Health in terms of certification of people, the equipment that was available and the training. And then, of course, there is very likely going to be a civil litigation looking at whether or not the standard of care, which means what doctors should do, was followed. So, Armand, with more and more sort of boutique practices and clinics popping up where doctors are doing simple, relatively simple, like endoscopy and colonoscopy and nodules on your vocal cords, doing these things in office, what do you think that the patient needs to know if they're going to, you know, get one of these procedures in office? Should we ask about safety procedures? Should we look around, make sure there's, you know, a defibrillator nearby? All of these things. When you are considering having an invasive medical procedure in an outpatient setting, I do think it is important for a patient to ask whether or not the facility and the doctors there are ready to deal with a medical emergency such as a cardiac arrest. Uh, Certainly, uh, if you don't ask the question, you go in with, with taking your chances. Also, how far is the nearest hospital? What type of, you know, arrangements do they have to transport? a critical ill patient to the hospital. I mean, you have to ask these things because doctors, just like people, get busy. And when they're busy and multitasking, we all use mental shortcuts or heuristics. And so while these, you know, basic answers, quick answers, quick solutions usually are right, they're not always. 
And so patients need to ask physicians, facilities, uh, some of these questions to make them stop and think and answer the question. Do you have a cardiac arrest protocol here? How experienced are your staff? If something goes wrong, are you going to be able to handle it? And I basically wanted someone to be able to answer it honestly. Yes, we can deal with it. Yes, we are, we are certified uh, personnel here to uh, intubate, to cause cardiac resuscitation, to provide the necessary drugs. So, yes, I think people should ask, how prepared are you if an emergency strikes? So give us some other tips. And, and should we, if we're doing an outpatient, bring an advocate along? Do we make sure to be completely honest? Yes, I had drinks last night so that my blood might be a little thinner. Or yes, I, I mean, I think that you have to prepare for any of these possible complications by being straight out and honest with your doctor as well. Yes, and I also think a patient, if a patient has a complicated or a anything but a rather simple medical history one really needs to discuss with the physician what would be the benefits for me to have this done in the hospital. Because at the end of the day, hospitals have specialized code teams that have specialists from anesthesiology, critical care medicine, and they handle cardiac emergencies and respiratory arrest on a daily basis. An outpatient clinic, it's going to be who's ever there. And it doesn't likely happen very often. And so aside from the regulations that require certification, equipment, I want to know how ready are people to act. There is not time to read the protocol or the procedure manual when a code occurs. So those are the types of things you need to ask. Is it safe? Is it better for me to have this procedure done in the hospital given my medical history? Or is it okay in the doctor's office? If I do it in your surgery center or office, are you prepared to deal with an emergency if one arises? Fair questions, and you want to have a fair answer. And speaking of fair questions, do you think it's fair for us to say, are you up to date on all these standards and training for this? Are you all, I mean, do you think they'll be insulted if people start kind of advocating? Because I think that one of the keys here is going to be, you know, really we have to take charge and and make sure that we're in good hands. I think you have to ask the question, because if they're unable to answer that question, I think you want to have the procedure somewhere else. No kidding. You know, now, do you think, in the case of Joan Rivers, she's a celebrity. She was a very smart woman. Would she not have asked those questions, or this could have been just a simple case that she was 81 years old and had so many procedures that, you know, her body just gave up? We don't know exactly what happened, whether she had some anaphylactic or allergic reaction to a medication, whether there was some aspiration during the procedure, whether some other event occurred. At the end of the day, regardless of why she had a cardiac or respiratory arrest, she should have been salvageable with the appropriate care. More likely than not, they should have been able to get her circulation reestablished, her oxygenation reestablished, and should have been able to avoid neurological injury. Uh, that was the problem there. I don't think we don't have the information as to what specifically went wrong. We know she had a respiratory arrest, and we know there was a delay getting her uh, resuscitated, and that's what caused her coma, her brain injury, and ultimately was responsible for her death. And do you think that patients, you know, if we're going in for any of these things, do you think that doctors are a little bit 
wary these days and that maybe they're not going to do something that they might have done because they're so afraid of is medical malpractice and the suits that you know the, the litany the litigious way that we are as a society today do you think that affects the way doctors practice you're both a physician and an attorney does it scare doctors now I think medical malpractice issues are overinflated in terms of the actual uh, lawsuits and, and damages that doctors have to pay. I do think doctors do have an overinflated fear of medical malpractice, which may cause them to be more defensive, uh, to maybe be a little reluctant to provide some care. On the other hand, the nature of medicine is such that a lot of times tests are ordered because it is simply quicker and cheaper for the doctor to order the test and to take the time. So I think doctors are concerned about malpractice lawsuits probably more than the reality of malpractice damages warrants. And physicians, you know, should be aware that they can make a mistake because if you're not aware of the potential of a mistake, one can become cavalier and uh, make that very mistake. So I would say that you know, physicians need to recognize the potential for injury. Uh, a caring physician has to acknowledge that. But malpractice, per se, uh, is overblown in terms of being claimed to be responsible for increased costs, increased problems, stuff like that. But for Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Armand. You're listening to Radio MD. This is Melanie Cole. Have a great day and stay well. Mm-hmm.